Welcome to Grab's podcast, episode 11, where we share firsthand stories of real-world rescues. Our guest today is Nate Rank with South Metro Fire from in Minnesota. Nate, uh, tell us a little bit about your department and your experience. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Justin. I appreciate it. Um, so my fire department is South Metro. It's actually two cities, South St. Paul and West St. Paul, just south of our capital city of St. Paul. Uh, the department merged back in 2010, but both uh, South St. Paul and West St. Paul are over 100 years old, very old departments, very traditional. And I think I said 2010, but I meant to say we merged in 2008. Um, I joined with the department in 2014. Before that, I was a volunteer for um, actually the community that I grew up in, which is a neighboring community of my current department in Grove Heights. And I've been a firefighter for about 11 years. Um, our department's 11 square miles, covers about 40,000 people, I'm sorry, 50,000 people that reside there. And then the um, Monday through Friday influx, um, probably about 70, 80,000. Pretty urban, um, pretty densely populated. Um, we run out of two firehouses, one in each city. We have two engines, couple staff, meaning two guys on each engine all the time. And then we have two ambulance, couple staffed that will cross staff our ladders based on uh, where the first alarm is. And um, on a good day, we'll have two three-man engines because our full staffing is uh, 12, I'm sorry, 11. Um, but typically, we're at minimums, which is eight. Okay. We run, a, we run about 7,000 calls a year. All right. All right. Um, what's, the, uh, what's the first alarm residential assignment consist of for your department? So what will happen is, depending on which city it's in, so we'll just, for example, uh, say West St. Paul. We get fired in West St. Paul. Um, everybody out of that station, if it's a four-man minimum, will all jump on the engine, and they'll run on a four-man engine, and then we'll get our engine ladder from the other house. We're running each with two guys, and then we'll get an out-of-way department um, right off the gate of a ladder from either Mendota Heights or Invergrove Heights. And they're expected to come with three or four, but that's hit or miss because they're both um, paid on call. Well, I, I should I take that back. Nevergrove is a combination department, but they don't send their on-crew guys. They just send their um, callback staff, and then the other department's paid on call. Okay. Uh, what's, uh, what's the search culture within your department? Like, who searches? When does it get assigned? So um, our SOP is that the truck will search, the first truck on scene, which is usually – our truck out of the other house. Um, and it's, it's pretty much, uh, assume that you're going to do it. Uh, we try to run as much as we can on SOP so that there's as little, you know, kind of that mother may I as possible guys just know what they are expected to do unless told otherwise. Um, but we've been training a lot over the last few years to make sure that, um, since that first do company is going to be there quickly. Once the line's in place, we like to, um, have that engine company, assigned to fire tech, at least initiate the search, start, start moving close to the fire. And then once that ladder comes in, they'll meet up and kind of have a quick face to face and go from there, getting the primary done. Perfect. Um, what's, what's the typical residential search look like, look like for your uh, truck companies? Do you guys VS? Do you guys split search, oriented search, use a rope? I think like most apartments will VES um, if there's a known victim or if we have like order conditions, or perhaps our main egress is cut off by fire type of deal. Otherwise, a lot of times we'll just do an off the line 
um, oriented search, you know, one guy into the room, one guy stays oriented and we do like a leapfrog. So you'll come out and if you were searching, you'll, you'll stay oriented to the next room and that guy, you know, guy that was oriented will jump in and he'll do the, he'll do the next room type of deal. All right, Nate. Uh, so let's take it back to, uh, to your, let's start with uh, the date, time of day and tell us your story. Uh, yeah. So my, um, <clears throat> the rescue that we're talking about today happened on February 24th, 2017. It was about 6:30 in the evening, just after dinner time for us. Um, we literally just pushed away from the table. Call came in initially was a uh, fire alarm. And before we even got in the truck, they upgraded to a structure fire. So we went for in four man engine. I was out of West St. Paul. This fire was in West St. Paul. It was at a uh, three story garden style apartment building on the North end. Um, we arrived on scene with nothing showing. So we did what we typically will do as we went, uh, I grabbed the iron set. My partner with me, Tony grabbed a can and a four foot pipe pole. And we went up to the second floor. We had, uh, occupants evacuating and we had a cop on the second floor it was at, um, split level. So you walk in and it's either go down or up right away. So we went up officer was standing at the door, said that they had a fire and uh, he said, he didn't know what, what unit it was in and uh <clears throat> he had a report that a resident within the building had actually kicked the door in to attempt a rescue of a possible victim um at that point my partner went back and he made a stretch and i started masking up told the cop to evacuate um i popped the door i opened the door the fire door which was actually um, keeping our stairwell clean and I did a quick, um, I hooked my foot on the sill and did a quick life fire layout, swept as far as I could, didn't feel anything. There wasn't a lot of heat, but it was black to the floor. I couldn't see a thing. So I <clears throat> popped my glove off, reached up in the air. I had a moderate heat condition. Um, and then I just shut the door and waited for Tony to, to make the stretch at that point. Um, we had charged the line pretty quickly after that. He masked up. We went in. I scraped the right wall. He scraped the left. We were looking for the apartment. <clears throat> um, we had a charge hose line with us, obviously. And once I found the apartment, it was the first one on the right. Um, my hand had gone into the, into the room and then I was met with, um, a pretty good heat condition. It was still zero visibility. So I hollered back to Tony. I told him, I think I had the apartment. Uh, we stretched a little bit past, or we advanced a little bit past. And when I turned around, we had a good working kitchen fire. And, uh, these apartments are, are, we go into a lot for medicals. I, I've never had a, I had never had a fire there before then, but a lot for medicals. So we knew the exact layout. Uh, each apartment's about 400 square feet. It's a, depending on the hinge of the door, this was a left hinge, hinge opens towards the bedroom and bathroom and then opens up in the apartment and it's a um, kitchen, dining room, living room. And then there's a deck off the back <clears throat> and a pretty, um, standard apartment for our area. So um, I darkened the fire down. And since we had reports of victims, I told Tony, um, we, you know, I, I suggested, you know, let's just drop the line and, and make this quick search um, because it was such a small apartment. And uh, he agreed. We split. He went right through the kitchen. And then I went left <clears throat> towards the bathroom and the bedroom. Um, I... Got into the bathroom first, did a real quick sweep, swept the tub type of deal, shut the, shut the door. And then I moved on and I got to the bedroom door 
And as I slid my hand down the um, frame of the door, I found the victim laying right there. She was uh, unconscious and I hollered at Tony, told him, hey, I got a victim, found her. I got her oriented onto her butt and I went to reach my arms around her. She was probably about, I don't know, 250, like 5'2", really, you know, really small, dense person. And so I got my arms under her shoulders. I grabbed onto her um, wrists and I picked her up and I started walking backwards and so, then I tripped over. On, her. Mate. Were, yeah, were yeah. you, were you uh, behind her then? And then like, kind of like bear hugged her and grabbed her wrists or were you like dragging yes. her with her? Okay. Nope. I was behind her. I bear hugged her, hugged her wrists and I just stood up and then I uh, started walking backwards. And I heard Tony make the radio uh, traffic reporting that we had a victim, but um, we found out he was actually, I don't even know what channel he was on, but nobody heard, um, nobody heard the report. So our second dues units were both, were probably, I don't know, five, five minutes out from when we initially arrived on scene. So they were just arriving. And uh, I think command, our, actually my captain didn't even know. He took an outside position on command on the initial command. So he didn't even know that we had a report of a victim. And uh, unless Tony told him, but I don't think he knew. And <clears throat> so our truck company was actually on the stairs masking up, getting ready to come in and perform a search. and then we kind of popped out the door like, Hey, we got her type of thing. But so when we were dragging her out, like I said, I tripped over um, Tony's halog and he had left it right in the doorway just to mark, you know, where we were at. And uh, she ended up falling on top of me and I was like turtled on my back with my pack. You know what I mean? And I got 250 pounds laying from my chest all the way, you know, basically covering my entire body. So when he finally got to me, you know, I told him, Hey, I'm stuck. He pulled her off. Um, at that point we transitioned into just a wrist and ankle carry. I, I grabbed her by like the forearm wrist area, picked her up. He grabbed her by the ankles. We picked her up and we moved out into the hallway. And at that point we had actually had some lift. I think I, I darkened the fire down pretty good and we had some lift in the hallway. So we set her down to reposition before we carried her out. And I looked at her face and I noticed her eyes were open, but they were rolled back and she had just black soot around her nose and mouth. So I, kind of smacked her on the cheek just to see if I had any type of reaction at all. And I didn't have anything. So, um, Tony and I grabbed her again, picked her up. I was under the shoulders. He was under the knees and we just carried her out. We got to the fire door, opened it up and there was everybody waiting for us. And, uh, <clears throat> we handed her off to the truck company and they handed her off to the second new engine that was stretching the back up. And then they brought her out into the yard and, um, with the help of our private, Ambulance Service Health East, they initiated, you know, life-saving efforts, and she had a pulse still, but she wasn't breathing, so they tubed her and, you know, did all that good stuff, got her down to the hospital, and um, we went back in with the truck to finish uh, finish the fire, check for extension, get, the, you know, finish the primary, get the secondary, um, all that, and uh, I never actually got to talk, I've never talked to the victim. I know she, she was in the hospital, our chief went there the next day, she was, um, they were like just going to put her into a coma, I think. And he went just to question her about the fire. And uh, then she was in a coma for a couple days. And I think she was released like two weeks later with no detriments or, or anything. Awesome. That's a pretty good outcome. You can't ask for anything more than that, could you? Yeah. Um, did she go to a uh, like a burn center? 
Yeah, she went to our level one trauma slash level one burn center in the area, uh, Regents Hospital. Okay, good. A um, couple questions about your stuff. Um, <laughs> do you guys, uh, did you ever vent for life when you were, I th- when you were starting to search? I think you have pretty zero visibility. You got back there and you guys split. One took left, one took right. Um, and you said something about shutting a door, so isolating. But did you ever um, take out any windows? And if you do or don't, is this something normal for your department to vent for life while you're searching? It's not super normal, but uh, my plan once we got if if I were to make were to have made the bedroom because she was right in the doorway, but my plan was to take that shut the door, take the window, um, get some visibility just to speed up and aid in my search, and then obviously having a second means of egress since the fire was technically between us and our egress. Um, so that I mean, you know, our departments like I said, it's ten years old, so we have um, a lot of learning going on right now, and with all the information that's out there that you guys are putting out and. Um, fields and all the you know the great instructors that we're lucky enough to have today um, we're still kind of working on stuff like that uh, but that is something that I was planning on doing once I got into the room absolutely good good um, you, been, you mentioned that um, you know when you found uh, her you kind of said hey I got a victim like <clears throat> you guys have like a set procedure of how you guys contact each other and when you yelled at him was he really close or uh, your partner or did he um, kind of like say what or just came to you what was the deal um we don't really have a set procedure um that that apartment is so small i mean like i said it's only 400 square feet and uh i could hear him the entire time and he said he could hear me the entire time you know banging around so when i yelled he knew right away i just yelled victim 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 and he came over and i heard him make the radio traffic and all that stuff so it was uh, he was close enough. I mean, it, yeah. you know, we, we had an idea of what we were doing. <clears throat> yep. No, absolutely. I just want to, yeah. um, no, just I, usually the communication inside, sometimes we, we like say, Hey, I got somebody. And then they're like, what? So yeah, we're kind of trying absolutely. to push like, you know, just repeat like victim, victim, victim three times. Just yeah. To, it just something repetitive means you, you want, you need help. So yeah. Uh, good. Uh, what'd you learn from this, re- from this rescue? Uh, well, I tell you, um, I learned that picking up an unconscious victim it, from the shoulders for me personally, it did not go very well. Cause when I picked her up, she started to slip instantly. And actually a, almost a year to the date, it was like a day off. We had uh, another rescue on my paid on call department, um, of two victims. And I drug the second one by the legs that time because it was so much easier it kept her head, you know, below the smoke level well, as much as they could. That was a pretty dark fire too, but it, it definitely changed the way that I do my drags and the way that I think about, you know, orienting the patient as soon as I find them, not just grabbing and going, but just taking that second to, you know, figure out, okay, how are they laying? Are they on their stomach, their back, are their head towards the door, feet towards the door? You know, is there anyone around them? I mean, I actually think I learned a lot just from that one deal um, or that one rescue mostly though my biggest takeaway was dragging for sure absolutely yeah i mean you can't you can't mimic that even in uh if we play dead ourselves and put ourselves yeah. on carpet i mean you just can't it's not the same no matter what it is not uh one of the props i gotta tell you like i, I loved uh hearing like once you guys got the victim out that you came back in you guys got the primary and you know that's what something that people always say is that just because you got 
a known victim out or even an unknown victim out is that like we still have to go back and finish the primary, whatever that takes. So yeah, absolutely. And and actually, when we had gotten out while we were catching our breath real quick, um, Tony had said that he had come across a uh, high chair in the kitchen or in the dining room area. So we were expecting, you know, obviously potentially a kid. So we got in there pretty quick to to finish that primary. Uh, luckily, it was uh, her grand grandkids. I don't know, grandson, granddaughter, um, and they weren't there at the time. Thank God. Yeah, well, good. Well, thanks, Nate. Or, sorry, thanks, Nate, for uh, coming, on, <laughs> coming on the show with us today. Absolutely. Uh, if you're on scene of a structure fire with a rescue or assist with a dead or alive civilian, help us capture our wins and specific details that improve our rescues and search across this nation. And fill out one survey per victim at www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com. If you'd like to share your story on Grab's podcast, contact Grant Schwalbe. At uh, on the Facebook or residential primary search, making the grab, or Justin McWilliams on search culture, or uh, somewhere on the book of the faces. Thank you. <laughs>